If you are a startup looking to grow in Cambridge, the Bradfield Centre offers a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and home working mix. There's a vibrant, collaborative atmosphere, on-site cafe, plenty of green outside space and regular member social events. For more information, visit bradfieldcentre.com or call 01223 919600. Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hi, I'm James. And I'm Faye. So, James, how was your week? I wish I could have, uh, tell you the answer to that question. It is flown by. It's a blur. I've got no idea what I've been doing, but it's been a good week. So, so I like that. That's the proper answer because I get to a Friday each week and I go, "How can it be Friday?" I know. I don't. I don't know what is what is going on. But I've had quite a decent week. I've, we've been doing some work with Cambridge Science Centre. There's some really exciting things coming out of there. Um, and I had a really good meeting with Christine Martin of the Seed Funds at Cambridge Enterprise. Talked about Twenty One to Watch. Talked a lot about the podcast, and there's some really exciting new activities um, coming up. So we'll, we will most definitely be adding them to the podcast in the new year. So I guess we should talk about the news. There's quite a lot been happening this week. Um, so first of all, there's uh, something that's come out of Business Weekly and that Tony Quested is investigating. Um, there seems to be this really interesting dynamic forming around the semiconductor industry. So we've talked about the semiconductor industry a lot. Um, we know the UK government is investing a billion dollars over the next 10 years. And across the Atlantic, they've got a slightly larger pot with the 50 billion fund. But it's no longer just about the money. They're actually specifically targeting in the US some of our our, our local companies here in Cambridge, the likes of Pragmatic, Paragraph, who've all been on the podcast, to try and get them to open up operations in the US. And it's also impacting the VCs because they can access that fund. But I think it's true to say that if they access the fund, they then can't have the relationships with the UK companies. So there's definitely something a brewing. Um, with the the semiconductor industry and as and when we find out more from from tony and business weekly we'll definitely share that yeah that is interesting in better news though one company that is committing locally is cmr surgical um they have now opened the only global surgical robotics manufacturing facility in the uk so that's that's good the facility will be home to the design and build of the company's versius surgical robotic system which is used for keyhole surgery and has the capacity to produce up to 500 versus systems a year to meet global demand for surgical robots. And the other thing is they're, they're over in Ely. So, you know, real estate in Cambridge is always a challenge. So they've actually put that out, out in East Cams, um, which I think is a really positive um, piece for the, the local region. So in other news, we've got three pieces of investment related news. First of all, a Cambridge based venture builder, Carbon 13, who invests in companies on climate technology, has launched its most significant round to date with a total of 2.4 million of funding being deployed. 
Carbon 13 intends to provide funding with this amount to 21 new startups. I'm sure they'll be doing a call out soon. And this will bring their total to about 65 climate tech ventures back since 2021. Turquoise, a merchant bank specialising in energy, environment and efficiency, has announced a raise of nearly £1.5 from a group of investors, including Archipelago Technology Group, Several Angels, Innovate UK and Cambridge and Peterborough Business Growth Company. And the last of the trio is that Arm is backing the launch of a new fundraising bond by Alia in Cambridge. Companies can invest in ESG, benefit from good returns and help sustainable technology startups flourish in the process. Arm has supported Alia since 2010. And finally, last week was also the latest Homerton Changemakers. And some of you will remember, uh, we recorded last year with them. That was way back in episode number three. This year, there were some really interesting early stage ideas, uh, including a web platform called Memory Lane that helps people portray important life events to help those with dementia. An AI tool called Envirosia AI that helps investors identify funds with maximized ESG impacts. Then a couple of tools around health, well-being and learning for our young children and an AI-assisted water quality checker. So let's get on to this week's episode, which in itself is kind of a bit of a news story. This coming week, there's an important event in Cambridge taking place about the future of innovation in Cambridge. Yeah, that's a huge topic right there. Yes, it's an initiative developed by a consortium under the umbrella of Innovate Cambridge. And today we're delighted to have Tabitha Goldstubb, who is the Executive Director of Innovate Cambridge, and Dermot O'Brien, who is the CEO of Cambridge Enterprise, to tell us more. So welcome. It's great to see you both today. Um, let's start with some quick introductions. So Tabitha, let's talk about you first of all. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've found yourself involved in Innovate Cambridge. So I'm Tabitha Goldstorb. I'm an entrepreneur. I have been building tech companies, communities um, for a long time now. Uh, I moved to Cambridge because my partner is a um, actually a farmer in West Suffolk. And uh, I thought I'd commute to London every day, but I met the wonderful uh, Mike Anstey at CIC and Dermot, who you'll meet in a moment. And they convinced me to uh, that actually Cambridge was the place to be. And they were right. And so I became the exec director of Innovate Cambridge, chaperoning this great uh, strategy. And Dermot, could you introduce yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. Morning, everyone. Um, so Dermot O'Brien is my name. I'm the chief executive at Cambridge Enterprise. So Cambridge Enterprise is a subsidiary of the University of Cambridge that is in charge of translating the research that takes place within the university to create uh, impact, economic impact. So, um, And I've been involved with Innovate Cambridge um, really since the beginning. Um, yeah, and really looking forward to chatting about it today with everyone. Could you give us the kind of headlines of what that program represents? Yeah, well, I guess Innovate Cambridge came from uh, a couple of realizations, really. Um, the first realization is that despite the fact Cambridge has, by any definition, a kind of globally leading innovation ecosystem, it's become pretty evident that the rest of the world is getting very organized around innovation. Um, so a lot of innovation ecosystems globally are aligning their innovation assets, they're putting in place governance and structures to try and coordinate and structure their innovation proposition and they're investing in it you know what they want to do what they want to develop to 
And I think the sense was that although Cambridge has a really compelling story and proposition, um, the concern was, to be honest, it was a little bit backward looking, um, you know, celebrating what had happened to date within the ecosystem, as opposed to communicating what we're really aspiring to achieve over the next 10 to 15 years from that ecosystem. And so Innovate Cambridge was really about you know, having that conversation collectively across the ecosystem. So bringing together the different kind of innovation actors and participants in Cambridge um, and thinking about what that future story might be. What type of companies have you engaged with to, to actually bring this ecosystem together? Mistake to kind of narrow it too much to companies. I mean, it's much broader than that. So the ecosystem has so many components. So we would, of course, engage with corporates um, Examples of that would be from our steering committee membership, you know, AstraZeneca, Microsoft, uh, Arm. But also we've been engaging with what I would call the different verticals of the ecosystem. So the uh, the startup companies, you know, so there's lots of those within the Cambridge environment. The uh, operators of the science parks and the technology parks that provide the space um, and kind of room for those companies to grow. The investment community from the angel investment to the venture investors the universities community through Cambridge and Angela Ruskin, but also the other research providing organizations like the Sanger, like uh, the Babraham, like the LMB. We've been dealing with um, local government um, because they're really critical in terms of bringing all this together. And then the incubators, the accelerators, the networks that exist around Cambridge that really provide that cohesive glue for the ecosystem. So it's far more than just the companies. It's really about all of those elements that you need to bring together to create the innovation, the talent and the funding that can drive a successful innovation ecosystem. And I think what's been really heartening for us is that one, all of those people felt the need to have the conversation. And two, they all signed up to an innovation charter to kind of say, okay, we're serious about developing a significant kind of, let's call it a a shift in opportunity for where Cambridge can go as an innovation ecosystem. And we want to try and help you make that happen. And so it's been very much a kind of a collective engagement over the last 18 months in particular. That's great. Thanks, Dermot, for the clarification there. Um, So I'm kind of sitting here thinking there's always lots of initiatives and activities going on in Cambridge. Um, You know, we are a very collaborative bunch uh, of people. How is this different? You know, are there not other initiatives that are already going on that kind of are touching some of these points you're, you're already making? I think that's what makes Cambridge so um, so wonderful. But you know, when I joined in January, there was suddenly no one focused on this specific innovation lens. So we we see ourselves as a convening layer, and while we're really, 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 truly focused on and concentrated on innovation, you have Cambridge Ahead, which is a catalyst for the success of Cambridge and the quality of life across the region, so across all sectors and domains. You've got Cambridge And, focused on inward investment, Cambridge Network, which is obviously a business networking group, Cambridge University Health Partners, which unites the world-leading university and then the three performing uh, NHS Foundation trusts. And ultimately, these groups have all been really deeply involved in Innovate Cambridge and writing the innovation strategy. And no doubt they will be key players in the delivery. But what I think the demand we saw was for someone to chaperone and convene, as Dermot has said, people to to ensure that the ambition and the economic mix 
And this focus on startups and translational activity is not lost while Cambridge as a whole grows. And so we have really been welcomed by those other groups in retaining that focus so that they can then have, you know, they can then ensure that the the full story is told where we focus on the innovation story. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, and I think, I mean, I, obviously I, I was privileged to be part of the kind of initial process as, you know, part of the consultation. I think it was really interesting, but it would be great for you to share uh, like uh, the kind of places you look for for inspiration uh, you know around the world where you've seen where you looked at other you know kind of uh, innovation ecosystems and the the events you brought everyone together you know to make sure everyone's voice was heard the workshops you ran maybe you should you could give us a little bit um of the detail around how you went about doing that um and the kinds of inspirations you 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 drew um i think that would be interesting yeah well let me answer that james i mean um maybe to go back to the beginning um so we we began to uh, look at what was happening in four different kind of ecosystems around the world. So we did uh, East Coast and West Coast US. We looked at Israel and we looked at uh, China. Um, and I think, you know, what you could really see from all of those places, which is what I mentioned before, is that they're all getting really organized and committed to trying to do something very significant around the innovation agenda. Um, so uh, I guess the latest numbers is there's something like 100 plus innovation districts being formed um, around the world at the moment, uh, all of them thinking about that forward-looking innovation proposition. So I think that's the uh, that's the key piece. And if you look at the ones we've been thinking about very specifically, you've got places like uh, Kendall Square um, in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is right adjacent to MIT and Harvard, which will be uh, probably the world's most well-recognized one. But then you've also got things like Station F in Paris. You've got what's happening in uh, Barcelona, in Berlin. um, And then you've got what's happening these days in, in Asia as well. So there's a huge amount of reference points now for what good looks like in innovation ecosystems around the world and we've been trying to learn from that so you know we've 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 been proactive in trying to see what good practice is looking to see what we're doing well in cambridge and trying to see what that gap analysis might take us in terms of where we can go to really bring forward the best of what cambridge can offer both for itself but also more importantly for the benefit of the uk as a whole yeah i guess i mean this is maybe a personal view but i think the fact that you know, certainly I get that sense that there's no sense of complacency that just because Cambridge has been successful, that doesn't guarantee its success in the future. And, you know, the, the global, the global uh, competition and, uh, um, and the demand for talent now is, is literally a global scale problem. So you can't just assume that the world's best people are going to come to Cambridge. You know, they're being pulled in all directions. Is, is that kind of fair? Is, was, was that one of the kind of drivers that, you know, Cambridge really needed to grasp the initiative and really promote itself more effectively and, and look more cohesive? Yeah, I wouldn't say Cambridge was being complacent. But at the same time, I would challenge that to some extent and say, Cambridge wasn't thinking hard enough, from my viewpoint, about how it could restructure itself to optimize its success. So Cambridge is a very much bottom-up organized innovation ecosystem. And I think that has worked incredibly well for Cambridge over the last 40, 50 years. I've got a feeling that that reaches a certain point of saturation where it's very difficult to kind of bring that further in a way that can really drive the best benefit from all the work everyone's doing. 
And I think what Innovate Cambridge has been trying to say is that, you know, we don't want to lose that bottom-up inspiration, entrepreneurial drive, but we've got to couple it with a more organized, top-down perspective about how do we connect our innovation assets together? How do we think about the bigger story that Cambridge can tell? How do we connect Cambridge as an ecosystem more effectively to uh, Manchester, Newcastle, London? How do we connect Cambridge as an ecosystem more effectively with the rest of the world? And it's very difficult to do that if we've got a lot of uh, individual, um, but not always connected initiatives, which are making the ecosystem function. So I think, you know, I think, although it's true to say Cambridge wasn't complacent, I think it's also fair to say Cambridge wasn't optimally structured to be successful and reach its potential over the next decade plus. And I think that's what we're trying to think about what we can do to get there. And I, I think it's also about how the, it's the impact we make. I, mean, I, I keep referring back on the podcast to the conversation we had with Tim Minchell um, in, a, in a previous episode. And it's like, what do we want to be known for? How can we improve prosperity? How can we, you know, help employment and all of those kinds of things? So obviously that's got to be really strongly on your agenda as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll talk very much in, in a few minutes about what Innovate Cambridge believes what we should be known for, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's very important we kind of lean into the bits that make Cambridge different, which is the kind of world-class discovery and the world-class research that we do so well here. Um, but the other piece that clearly comes out is that we need to also recognize that we need to be known for how we support that translation of innovation and economic benefit to connect more meaningfully with the local community. Uh, and with those living and working within the Cambridge area, because that's a necessary ingredient for long-term success and sustainability of an innovation ecosystem. And I think it's also clear we need to think about how we get known for things like the sustainability agenda, which is going to become so important in differentiating and enhancing the credibility of ecosystems in the long term. Um, and I think also how we partner and how we create um, a sense of connectivity, a sense of porosity between how we operate as an ecosystem and how we want to connect with other ecosystems around the UK and elsewhere. So I think there's a lot of factors there that begin to come in that say, you know, if you really want to be world leading, you know, what are the things that will help both differentiate and enable that journey? And I think we, we've done a lot of thought about that. And, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of unpick some of those elements. Okay, so so just before we start unpicking those, um, I want to jump back to something James um, started talking about earlier on, which is the volume of work that you've actually done. So Tabitha, I'm assuming this was a, a lot of a lot of you doing the one to one meetings and the workshops and the town halls and all those types of things. So can you give us a little bit of a highlight of of that process? And I'm really interested as someone who's come into Cambridge. What were you hearing from people? What were those reactions? And, you know, how many suggestions did you get? Just give us a little bit of an overview of, of that, if you would, please. Yeah, uh, as, a, as an outsider, I really got to experience firsthand the t difficult first start, but then immense warmth and generosity and desire for everybody to support each other, um, but also a desire to support the 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 whole region and the local people and the rest of the UK like that sort of tumbles out of uh, out of people as we as we did these sessions um it's no surprise that Dermot described the things we want to be known for because that really was what everybody kept coming back to and 
we must have engaged with over now five, 600 people in those different formats that you described. And time and time again, we heard the same thing. And what I was quite surprised about when we did the specific survey, um, as well as the anecdotal um, qualitative discussions, was how many people ranked having a compelling narrative and you know singing from a, the same hymn sheet as important to our success. Because as Dammit said, the region feels so bottom up, but actually there was a de- there was a real demand for that. You know, when I came in, everyone said you need there's lots of cats and you need to make sure there's lots of tuna. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be the tuna opener. Um, but at the same time, I I have also heard that there is a real feeling of let's be more than the sum of our parts in a way that potentially uh, the region hasn't had that same desire. Um, as much as we're we're starting to hear now, and this sort of collectively agreed upon ambition, I think makes people feel like all boats start to rise, and we need to make sure that that really does mean all boats. Um, and as Dermot said, that you know that's all of those different sectors and the local people here in the region. The excitement I think we have coming up at the in the summit, which we can talk about in in a moment, is that people are uh, are, are really starting to replay back to us. These, these messages um, and it feels like um, as you'll as you'll start to see that initiatives are forming um, and uh, and taking hold did you have like a real raft of suggestions from people you know were there were there, were there like some the, the, there must have been some that were highly common you know we've, we've referred yeah. to a few of them already did you have any like really Weird random <laughs> ones my favorite might have been um so, so i think there was something like 190 i think in the end if they were all individualized and not um you know not normalized into groups and somebody and i actually still think this is quite a good idea said well if there's not enough lab space there's enough people who want to hustle let's open them at night and we'll have a rotation and you know this idea took hold for about five or six minutes in the workshop and we all thought it was a really good idea and then as you know obviously as you go around uh, around the houses ideas like that don't don't stick but what I really enjoyed was that everybody felt like they could put everything on the table um we had some jammy dodger cards when people spoke too much about uh, their own personal gripes with the region and not enough about innovation because we really wanted to try and keep people on the agenda. Um, uh, so, yes, people might remember me waving jammy dodger biscuits at them. I mean, so Dermot, this this sounds like it's a, you know, a big vision project. So how are you going to make this vision become a reality and, and what kind of timescales are you working towards? I think that's a great question, James. I mean, I think the first thing to say is... Um, the first goal for Innovate Cambridge was to create a vision that everybody had contributed to and ideally would buy into. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. How, how do we make that a reality? You know, I think the reality is that that will need to be done in collaboration with those who are already operating and functioning within the ecosystem. So when we think about develop uh, uh, aspirations like creating 10 million square feet of new lab space over the next decade that will have to be done in partnership with the science and technology park operators and with the development community when we talk about how we build and enhance translational capability in cambridge for the world-class research we're doing that will need to be done in partnership between the universities and the public research organizations around cambridge like the sanger and the babraham and the lmb lab and others and um, when we talk about trying to do things like uh, 
bringing a factor of five more venture capital into the ecosystem, but at the early stage, pre-seed, and at the later stage, growth capital, that will be done in partnership with the venture funds that are operating. So it's not that we expect to create any single delivery vehicle that will bring forward the Innovate Cambridge aspiration set. What we've tried to do is to create a whole suite of things that we need to deliver as an ecosystem that if the actors that are responsible for or aligned with those agendas are passionate about them, they become their agenda item to deliver over the period. Um, and what we'd like to try to do is to create a structure like an innovation council that would really begin to hold the Cambridge ecosystem to um, uh, to account for its capacity to move forward on what we've committed to do um, and to make sure we're doing that. So it's not that we have either an infinite budget or the authority to drive forward the vision that's been collectively developed over the next uh, decade or so. But what we've committed to do is to work in tandem with those who can make this happen and to try and uh, work with that coalition of the willing to drive the ambition level. So Dermot, what what are these pillars that you're working on? Let's talk through some of those now, please. Yeah, so I guess what came out of the innovation strategy was 16 different objectives that we wanted to look at. And we began to think about that's going to be complicated to explain. So we tried to simplify it down to say, what are the three big things that we need to try make happen over the next couple of years to really get momentum behind this agenda? And the first one, I suppose, is what we would call, how do we get the innovation ecosystem firing on all cylinders? And so, you know, Cambridge has a great ecosystem, um, but to make that really excel on the global level, we need to think about a whole range of factors. So that will be things like, how do we bring more venture capital into the ecosystem, both a pre-seed level and growth? How do we get the lab infrastructure in place that's needed to sustain the growth of the ecosystem? So that's thinking about the 10 million square feet of new lab space that's required o over the next decade. How do we grow the translational funding that's needed to ensure that all of the great discovery we do gets translated into that early stage potential for new companies and, and, and new licensing of technologies? Um, so we really began to think about um, what are the factors needed to get uh, Cambridge working. And some ways, another way we think about this is it's about table stakes. You know, what is the minimum level of criteria we need to have as an ecosystem to be truly competitive or leading internationally? And so that's that first bucket. And it's a whole range of things we need to think about. The second thing that we really thought about was um, how do we make sure we actually close the loop that the innovation ecosystem benefits are actually being accrued in a way that are meaningful for the local community within Cambridge. And I think this came out really from everyone in the consultation, which is that at the moment, there is a real fear that um, the success of the innovation agenda in Cambridge is not leading enough to improve quality of life for those people working and living in Cambridge. It's not leading to improved job opportunities. It's not leading to uh, improved education, healthcare, uh, and all of the things people would like to see from a thriving uh, and successful city. And I think we really need to begin to think about how we uh, can share the success of the innovation benefits back with the local community. And so there are some things that, you know, are there at the moment, but perhaps don't get understood. So, for instance, um, the survival rates for cancer in Cambridge are nationally leading. And often that's linked to the fact that 
uh, cancer patients get a personalized genotyping process taking place as part of their therapy here within Cambridge and the hospitals, which is linked back to the original capability of Cambridge to be world leading in genotyping research um, and have that capability and that understanding within our ecosystem. So there are already some feedback loops that the benefits of our research are impacting the local community, but we all recognize we need to do much more of that. And the third piece that really came out from all of the work was that Cambridge can be world leading in terms of what we do in, in, of innovation, but we're always going to be a small city. So how do we actually think about how we can scale what we do and how do we make sure that as we scale what we do, the benefits and the impact of what we do can be more meaningful for other locations in the UK and beyond? And I think our sense is that that needs to happen through two things. It needs to happen by us having a much more focused partnership agenda where we can recognize that Cambridge can deliver certain things, but not other things. So, for example, we can deliver fantastic early stage research capability and innovation that can drive many businesses. But we do not have the infrastructure or the population base to think about how we might translate that to large-scale manufacturing or large-scale delivery. And we can work more closely like with cities like Manchester that have both the scale and the capability to do that much more effectively. And then the second thing we really need to think about is how do we make Cambridge a much easier place for people to navigate? So if we want to attract the venture funding and the entrepreneurial capability that exists in London at scale, how do we make it possible for those people to connect with Cambridge much more easily? If you are an entrepreneur coming out of anywhere in the UK or indeed globally, and you see Cambridge as a place that you can access world-leading technology, how can you connect to that technology much more simply? So that's about opening up these kind of porous pathways for people outside of Cambridge into the community. And I think our sense is if we can get those three elements of the strategy, the innovation engine firing on all cylinders, the social feedback loop in terms of making sure the impact for the local community is really meaningful, and that kind of partnership and prosody agenda, we genuinely think those three things combined can really move the needle for what we can deliver as an ecosystem over the next decade. Thanks for that, Damon. I think that's a really clear articulation of you know where the focuses are. Tabitha, I mean... Do you feel like there's any quick wins on the kind of path to achieving those those three objectives? So there's a lot of uh, moving parts. And what we're hoping is that all of this can start now. So this is not a phased approach, um, but there are some definite quick wins. So unlocking the already formed plans, for example, around the delivery of 10 million square foot um, of space across the ecosystem and ensuring that mindset shift from, you know, spaces to places that people want to be scientists and the, the, the general public and the place form that was started by um, uh, CUHP and is being led by Jane at the Science Park is obviously a key example of how that's already up and running. The other thing is our focus on the need for a central innovation hub. We believe that, the, that there's a real need for a sort of a capacity that brings people together, transforming the sort of interactions in the way that people collaborate. So not a co-working space, but much more a place for the individuals to network, more like a clubhouse, a small central to the station um, innovation space uh, for some what we're describing as engineered serendipity. That's something we would like to see happen towards the end of this year and early next year as a pilot so that then we could get off the obviously 
um, you know, massive development that would needed to make that a, a big thing. The other quick win is that we already have really strong ties with Manchester. And as David said, that's a key part of the strategy is this partnering for growth. And so we're hoping to, at the summit, announce some cross-region ways that we'll partner with Manchester and, and pulling together all the different really strong tra- strands that are already there and aligning that to this innovation-led leveling up agenda. And then lastly, in terms of quick wins, we've already seen the creation of the Social Impact Fund, which was recommended right at the beginning of this process, which is a unique new way for Greater Cambridge to focus on social enterprise uh, and how that can address educational challenges, social mobility, health, homelessness, and and the inequality in the region. And that's already had a million pounds earmarked from the City Council that was released a few weeks ago. And the ambition is 10 million by the end of the year and 100 million in the next 10 years. So getting these things rolling feels like a quick ring to me. And also this focus on storytelling. Um, That's something that we hope after October the 11th and the summit, we can really our heads together as an ecosystem and um, come back to uh, the individual stakeholders, uh, bring them together and uh, form a plan. You two are going to have to be very important in that too. (laughs) We like to tell stories, (laughs) well, factual stories. Um, I mean, on on that theme of kind of the narrative and telling the story, I mean, there's been so many exciting uh, new initiatives in the last six months, like Cambridge Tech Week, is a great example of that. You know, in your in your work, are you starting to see other cities in the UK? You mentioned Manchester. Are you 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 Dermot mentioned the investor community in London? You know, is it working? Are you starting to see people sitting up and taking notice of this this you know wind of change blowing through Cambridge? I think so. I think there's a feeling that Cambridge wants to be at other tables, whether that's a national conversation around policy for startups or the spin-out review that's being created by Andrew Williamson at CIC here in Cambridge, but obviously for the UK, there's a there's a sort of, um, and I'm sure it has always been there, but I definitely feel the wind as you describe it, um, and us being at the table in, in national and local conversations across the UK for sure. I, I um I like to think that there's a there's a lot more um, there's a lot more desire for openness. So so we've got you on the podcast to obviously give an overview of Innovate Cambridge, but this coming week you also have and you referred to it earlier on you want to put on this annual event. So this will be the second one. So tell us a little bit about what your plans are for that event, and obviously for those people listening after the event, how can they get engaged? Yes, so. The summit, uh, as I said, on the 11th of October is, in in my mind, a sort of physical manifestation of the strategy that Dermot has taken us through. So we'll open with a with a bit of a state of the nation. We've got amazing um, speakers and um, uh, from all across the ecosystem. And then we'll go straight into those three pillars that Dermot spoke about. So session one is about ensuring the innovation ecosystem is firing on all cylinders. Session two is about what makes us different, unique, our strengths with this focus on the nurturing of the people that deliver the pioneering discoveries and making the translational uh, leap. The third session will be about ensuring that the innovation proposition is actually providing this value and impact for the local community. And we will um, make a real commitment to uh, having more awareness of the negative externalities and then looking for the benefits. And then the last session will set up this rationale behind Cambridge becoming more porous and partnership orientated. And we'll have people talking about the partnerships that we've already started um, working on. 
And then at the end, we will wrap up with some uh, collective promises to ourselves, to each other uh, for the future of the innovation ecosystem. And um, I'm hoping uh, that people who are listening now will either join us on the 11th of October or will have already have joined us and will uh, be able to watch the videos for, for, for time to come. So you won't have missed out. No, it's been a really interesting conversation. One last question before we wrap up. I mean, it, it's such an exciting time for Cambridge. I think it, that's that's my take on all of this. This, you know, there's there's that collective willingness now to really move things in the in in a single direction. And that, I guess that's part of the reason we started the podcast as well. Like, there's so many great stories to tell from Cambridge. That was the, really the inspiration of doing this in the first place. So, with so much going on and such an ambitious scope how how do you measure success you know how do you how do you figure out what impact you're having with this program yeah uh, i might say two things around that james if i can i mean the first piece about this kind of just to follow up the question you you asked tabitha about the the wind of change and and where cambridge is going um you know, Cambridge is in an amazingly interesting place. You know, if you look at some of the data that's coming out, you know, Cambridge, the unicorn capital of Europe, Cambridge University creates more alum that raise 10 million venture than any other university in the world. Cambridge, number one globally for science and technology. You'd be forgiven for thinking Cambridge could get a big head, you know, and I think it's really important that we take a step back and recognize that there's still a lot that we can do more to really push the ecosystem. Um, and we've actually got a very interesting, almost generational opportunity because we've got a few things aligning, I think. You know, we've got um, an interest from government at the moment around what more Cambridge can do for the UK. The initiative Cambridge 2040 that was launched, thinking about how Cambridge can become that science superpower for the UK and indeed for Europe. We've got this recognition that Cambridge needs to transition from a bottom-up ecosystem to one that also incorporates some top-down capability. And at the same time, we've now got a, I think, very ambitious innovation plan for Cambridge, which is really about saying, what can we deliver over the next uh, decade? And, and the aspiration we're setting ourselves is that we deliver the same level of growth in the, in the next decade as we delivered in the last 25 years. So really talking about accelerating what we can do. So I think it's really important that we don't sit back as an ecosystem and pat ourselves on the back too much about how well things are going. And we really recognize that there is a opportunity now that's there for us if we can get organized and move with ambition to really take Cambridge to the next level as a global leading innovation ecosystem. To come back to then, how would we measure that? I mean, I think that's challenging, but you know, um, the best thing I can say is if you look at Kendall Square in Boston now, in Cambridge Mass, what you see there at the moment is that all of the leading global uh, biopharmaceutical and ICT companies have made it their business to place research and development capability on the ground there to access both the talent that comes out of MIT and Harvard and the world-class universities, to access the innovation coming out of the spin-out and startup community that's there, to access the kind of talent base that the venture community is bringing into that ecosystem. I think we need to aspire to Cambridge also being a place that these companies choose to put their uh, R&D activities. And clearly in the last decade, we've seen 
Uh, AstraZeneca make a significant commitment to Cambridge with their research. We've got companies like Microsoft and Arm and Google and Samsung and many others doing research on the ground here. But I think real success will be when we've got more of those companies choosing to put research and innovation on the ground in Cambridge because it is a must-be place for them to access globally leading innovation. And likewise, we see the venture community wanting to spend more time and more investment dollars here because we are a must-see place for the early stage innovation coming out of our universities and our ecosystem. And so I think that's what success should be, is that it's a place uh, globally where the most interesting and innovative companies cannot afford not to be involved and connected to. And I think that should be our aspiration. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, a great rally call. You know, a lot of our listeners are outside, well, they're across the UK and outside of the UK. And I think the key thing that you said to just, just then that resonated with me was the ability to be forward-looking and not only have an innovation agenda, but really understand what the, what the, what that impact is on society on the, the bigger level. So I think it's really exciting times. Um, we'll both be there on the 11th supporting you and, and trying to encourage more people to continue to, to get involved. Um, so thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you. Can't wait to see you then. Thanks, guys. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show. Cambridge Science Centre provides children and young people with positive community-based STEM experiences to raise aspirations and illuminate STEM careers. We're supported by a collaborative ecosystem of organisations and individuals and we'd love you to join us. Find out more by contacting me at Rebecca Porter at cambridgesciencecentre.org.